this week's edition of The Golfing Mind, the podcast which, as I say at the start of every podcast, looks at the game of golf in general, but our focus, where possible, is on the mental game of golf. Um, mental game of golf is, for many people, something you either have a gift or an ability to execute, or you don't. They somehow think it's a bit like uh, it's in your DNA, it's in your genetics. You either have a good mind for golf or you don't, or at least if you don't, there's not a lot you can do about it to make it better. Now, for those of you that listen regularly, you know I don't hold that view, and the evidence to support that opinion I have is, well, pretty scientifically uh, endorsed. But I'm not here to read you extracts from scientific papers. I'm here to talk today about one aspect of the game of golf that I find uh, fascinating. I began my career um, after I left school. I went to university to do human biology, and there was a little bit of psychology in there that really I found quite interesting. I dropped out of university and I went into the world of comedy. I started a theatre company and became a stand-up comic for about eight years. Now, some of you must be sitting there thinking, what the heck stand-up comedy got to do with golf? <laughs> Other than perhaps some of you might think your swing does resemble a variety hall comedy act or your golf is a great source of amusement to people at your club. Uh, I'm not suggesting that. Uh, what I'm trying to do is to show you a little pattern that I've seen uh, amongst comedians. Uh, I've seen it amongst um, television producers, uh, entrepreneurs, athletes. In fact, in any environment where there is a obvious group who are the winners and groups who are not the winners, I hate using the word losers. It always seems so cruel, doesn't it? I just... I've never really cared. Uh, I've, I know when I've played golf, uh, people have been referred to, oh, such a, that guy's just always, he's a loser. It just has always struck me as a very cruel thing to say because in any given day, we all have the capacity to not put in our best performance and come second. And I think when you walk off a golf course, the only person you have to answer to is yourself. And if you left it all out there on the golf course and came second, third or 25th, you can hold your head high. Uh, if you came second, third or 25th and you knew you were to blame because you didn't execute properly shots you should have done, then that's another discussion altogether and another podcast in the future, I suspect. But the reason I was talking about comedy is I spent years um, both here and in America working in comedy clubs. And you'll see the people who... Um, are just destined to do well. You see them even in the very early stages of their career and the talent's there. You just, they've got it. What have they got? You know, they've got good material, they've got stage presence, uh, personality, all those things. And yet there's other people who try and try and try and somehow it doesn't come about. I then went to work in television. I saw it there with performers and high performing uh, producers and directors. And um, I went into business myself and I saw people in my industry uh, who did very well. And uh, I include myself in that group. Um, and I noticed that we had something different going on. 
So what is this difference that I noticed? Well, it came down to a very interesting uh, lecture I attended. And in the lecture, the uh, presenter asked um, the audience what skills they needed to be successful in their chosen profession. So in the room, there must have been, I don't know, 200 people with a huge number from diverse backgrounds. So they weren't all doing the same job. They were sort of um, businessmen and women. Uh, some of them were sole traders, some worked in companies. But the one thing they had in common is they obviously all wanted to get better and do more with their careers. So the fellow asked the question, what skills do you need to be successful? And uh, people started to shout out words and he wrote the words up on a board. And then he asked the audience to decide um, was were the words on the board technical skills or were they states of mind attitudes? And the really interesting thing was that when we did the list, it was 80% were attitudinal skills and 20% were technical skills. Now, why is that interesting for us today on golf? Well, I'll tell you why I find it amazing is that when you talk to professional golfers and you say to them, what percentage of golf at the highest level is mental versus mechanical? You know what we get? 20% mechanical, 80% mental. And what is this mental we talk about? Is it strength of mind? Is it power of focus? Is it the ability to shut down all uh, distractions? And, you know, I go back to what I did all those years ago in that lecture, which was to look at the skills we require that are attitude-based skills. So these aren't skills you have to meditate upon. A lot of the training I do is training your mind, is to create new neural pathways, is to create new ways of responding to a challenge that you might not have done before. So instead of getting angry, you learn to count to five or you learn to uh, just take three deep, slow breaths and allow that emotional wave to pass so you can suddenly react and respond in a way that's not destructive or detrimental. And um, over the last 20 years, when I've run workshops for businesses, I still include that exercise of what skills do you need to be successful in your chosen role. So let's take this now to the world of golf because I think there are five distinct attitudes that we need to adopt when we're playing golf. One or two are pretty obvious and maybe one or two might be thought by some of you to be, eh, I don't think that's relevant, Robin, but I think it is, and I'll tell you why as I go through this. So what are the the five attitudes you need to adopt? So let me just quickly explain one thing here. An attitude is a state of mind. So you don't go to college and study attitudes. You don't buy a book on how to have an attitude. It is just a state of mind you adopt. It's a little bit like uh, someone who is always positive versus someone who's always negative. Um, that positivity or negativity is a state of mind. It's a filter through which everything has to flow. And you choose the filter. You may not think you've chosen it, but you have chosen it.
And if anything you choose, you can unchoose. And anything you haven't chosen, you can choose. Um, hope that's not too much of a tongue twister, and I hope it makes perfect sense. I've got a great friend, one of my dearest friends in Scotland, and I love playing golf with him. And he took up the game slightly late in life, and he's got to a, he's a very good competitive player. And we can go out and play, and he'll hit some amazing shots. He always hits them against me, especially coming down the stretch. And we'll come off the course, and he'll have played some great shots. And the first thing he'll talk about is his bad shots. Oh, do you remember my drive at the third? Can you believe I took three to get out the bunker at the twelfth? His 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 filter is quite negative. On the golf course, um, again, he worries about losing holes and things, which is you know it's it's strange. So my first attitude, which I try to get all my players to. Uh, or those I work with and help is simply positivity and I know that sounds ridiculously cliche doesn't it people say oh so uh, just be like some happy-go-lucky character from a Disney movie no I'm not suggesting that but what I am suggesting is in any given situation see the positive in any given situation see the positive um, and I know that can be difficult especially if you're in a very tight match and you've just hit it into the water Whereas the positive in that, well, the positive you can look for is your ability to control your um, temper or your emotional regulation, you know. And then so the next time you're in a stressful situation, you won't be recalling anger. You'll be recalling the fact you stayed calm. So the ability to stay positive um, is so, so important. I always talk in, to, in my, you know, putting area about the importance of expecting to make a putt but being surprised if you miss it and not expecting to miss the putt and being surprised if you make it so number one as i encourage all of you is to when you play be positive expect to play well expect to make a good swing expect to play a good shot uh, and just be positive right down to the point if the person you're playing against hits a good shot be positive say to them good shot well played I always do that yet I know people who won't do it they can't bring themselves to pay a compliment because they think they're giving strength to their opponent well that may be the way they do it but I think we should always reward or compliment excellence secondly the second attitude which I think is important on the golf course is kindness now, I'm sure some of you are going, what, what's he talking about? Kindness. Well, what I mean by that is the, the most important voice you listen to on the golf course is the internal voice. The voice which helps you or doesn't help you play your best golf. And so many golfers I meet um, speak negatively to themselves. They beat themselves up. Oh, don't hit a bad shot here. Oh, you're probably three putt. Oh, I bet this one goes in the water. You know, they're really not kind to themselves. If I hit a bad shot, and if I hit a rank bad shot, and a lot of you will be surprised, I mean, probably amazed to hear this, but it happens, and I have done. Um, the one thing that I pride myself now is as soon as that ball lands in the water or goes into rough so deep that it may not be found for 100 years, is to sort of look at it sort of almost shrug my shoulders and go, ah, well, at least you put a good swing on it. 
And if I didn't put a good swing on it, I'll say, well, learn from that. You know, maybe next time play your five wood or next time whatever. But what I don't do is say, you idiot. I knew you were going to do that. I try and use this analogy. Talk to yourself on the golf course as the way you would talk to a six-year-old child playing their first ever proper round of golf. You would just be so full of encouragement. You would be so full of enthusiasm for the game that you play. So be sure to practice kindness to yourself on the golf course. I promise you, you don't think it's going to make a huge difference. It does. It helps you stay more relaxed. It's as, as though that you had a, a coach walking alongside you just saying positive, encouraging things. Attitude three, determination. Determination is meaning that you don't give up. Determination means over every shot you give it 100%. It is interesting how often people give up on the golf course. Now, some people will tell me, as soon as I gave up, I started playing better golf. And the reason for that, to me, is always the same, is that there's a difference between being determined, which is having what I call a, a will-to-win frame of mind, having an attitude of can-do, versus a attitude of helplessness and hopelessness. And some people become quite helpless and hopeless on the golf course, and they give up. And when they give up, that's nothing to do with being determined. It's to do with just absolute abject frustration and loss of confidence. So the notion that you're going to be determined um, doesn't mean that you're a win-at-all-cost person, but it means when you come to play every shot, <clears throat> you don't give up on yourself. You don't decide, oh, I don't think I can make this shot. You, on the other hand, will take a view, okay, I've got this. So these first three I talk about, positivity, kindness, and determination, really can give you a lift um, and gives you that wonderful ability to put yourself in a position to play your best golf. Um, the fourth one is the controversial one. Now, this is the one that some of you, when you hear this, will screech your car to a halt or bang your hand on the desk. Oh, I don't know what you'll do, but... And it's, it's forgiveness. I think, if I, I, can't, I was going to say I can't tell you how often, but I probably could if I tried. Um, I can't tell you the number of time that people are beating themselves up, um, not only immediately after the shot, and not only um, when the round is over, but two or three days later, they're still lamenting, beating themselves up. Now, since we're not robots we're, and are human, we are going to make the errors that humans make. We're going to miss a tap and putt. We're going to hit a shank at the 18th hole when we were on for the best round of our life. We're going to um, stay in the bunker at a critical junction in a shop, at a, in a shop, uh, in a match. So we're going to have these moments in our life where we snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, where we play a shot which we probably haven't played in a long time and it has caused us defeat. Now, that sucks. That really does suck. 
But if you don't forgive yourself and just say, well, it happens, and it goes back to the last thing, you know, speaking to yourself in a way that is always sort of kind. You know, so this notion that, you know, oh, it's, I, it's unforgivable that, that I can't believe, you know, it can just it can destroy your game. I mean, I truly mean that it can destroy your game. There are professional golfers who I think have been destroyed by by bad shots and um, missed putts. I don't want to name names, but I could name a couple of examples, and I can think of, you know, Tony Jacklin missing a three foot putt on the seventeenth green in the final round of the Open Championship at Muirfield after Trevino had just chipped in for a five. Um, Jacqueline had had an eagle putt, and he then ended up uh, three putting and um, going one behind. It was just the most extraordinary thing. You look at Greg Norman at the Masters, not when he, when he on the 18th, just had to put the ball on the green, and he hit it, he blocked it right, which was the shot that he often hit under the big, big pressure situations. And I don't know if those players ever truly recovered. In fact, I, I suspect they never got back to being the person they were. And I and I suspect part of it was they just couldn't get over. You look at Doug Sanders missing his putt in 1970. I know this sounds like a history lesson because I've not used anything from the recent uh, tour matches, but players who are suddenly right up there, uh, and it often, I think, comes down to one shot where they just are in sort of, frustrated by it so learn to forgive yourself and what's the final one the final attitude of mind i would really love to see you adopt is optimism now people say well isn't that the same as positivity now it's not i think optimism is always um ex you know expecting or hoping for the best accepting the best might not be there on that given day but always hoping for the best and being very sort of uh, sort of uh, upbeat about it. I love playing with optimistic golfers. I love playing with optimistic partners who no matter, even if you're four down with six to go, will look at you and go, come on, we can do this. I love that. And I think we need to be optimistic because the minute you give up, um, in a, especially if you have a partner, then you've let your partner down, which you should never do. So stay optimistic. And optimism, I think, is infectious. And I know that um, there's a friend of mine um, who is, whenever you're playing with him, whatever the situation, he'll come up and he'll just gently encourage you or say, oh, I think we've got this. Oh, you're swinging well. Come on, we got this. I love that. And I think you're, in the Ryder Cup, you see how the players are on the course. It's just exuberance when they're playing well. And when they're not playing well, they're digging deep and producing shots that are just otherworldly. So really, that was my uh, sort of a thought for today I wanted to talk about as far as the mental game goes, is to be aware of your attitude. And the five uh, that I think are very important for golfers is to be is positive. The second is kindness, to be kind to yourself. The third is uh, an attitude of determination. The fourth is an attitude of forgiveness. And finally, optimism, to be optimistic. Well, I hope there's some thoughts and reflections there. By all means, please write to me. I get a regular emails now and again, and I'm always happy to reply where possible. Uh, as I say so often in this podcast, that my great love is the mental game and helping people sort of understand it and improve it. There is an online academy that we run a 13-week program. 
Now, wintertime is a great time to invest in the mental game. And the 13-week program is a serious program that has five to 10 minutes of daily practice, as well as exercises, uh, reflections, and uh, sort of video lessons that you can do. And at the end of 13 weeks, I have absolutely no doubt at all your golf will have improved and your enjoyment of the game will certainly have improved. So there's a link on this podcast. Please go to seegergolf.com and seeger spelt S-I-E-G-E-R.com, seegergolf.com. Well, that's it for now. Next week, uh, I'm looking forward to doing a review for the end of the year. But wherever you are in the world, and especially to my friends in Ireland, because I'm astounded at the large number of Irish followers for this podcast. So um, hello to Ireland. And uh, I also have uh, follow, followers in New Zealand. And in fact, there's an, is it Fiji? So uh, the, the, we're going very global with the podcast, which I'm delighted. I'm working my new book, which will be out hopefully in September next year, The Six Fundamentals of the Mental Game of Golf. And I look forward to telling you more about that in the future. But wherever you are in the world, play good golf and enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm.